0: If you have your Bibles electronic devices, you can click to turn to with me. Listen, we're finishing up this series, uh, Overwhelmed, and tonight we're looking at this issue of when, when hope shows up. And so if you have your Bibles electronic devices, you can click to turn to. Job chapter 42, and then 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're actually using 1 Peter chapter 1 as a commentary on Job chapter 42. Now listen, when when I started this series, I had no clue that the main verse that I'm going to preach for five weeks is Job chapter 42, because something happened in Job's life. Something happened through suffering. Something happened through sacrifice, and Job saw God differently than he had ever seen him before. And so when you look at this issue, you realize that Job was, he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with what he was going through. He was overwhelmed with like this perfect storm in his life where he lost family, you know, children, a business, a home, his possessions. I mean, he lost everything to where he came to the place that Job would, and we know this and we'll see this, he was just, he was literally overwhelmed. But in the midst of this, he saw God differently. He saw God differently in a lot of ways. And Listen, I think there's something in some things and a lot of things we can learn from the, the life of Job. But you know what? Simon Peter as well. He knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what it was like to win. when you go through this storm, you go through difficulty, and then all of a sudden something shows up, God shows up, you see God differently. And we would put it like this when, when hope shows up, because we know this, right? Hope is, a, hope is a good thing. But when you and I lose hope, it's hard to carry on. Wouldn't you agree? There's something about this issue of hope. And if we misplace our hope, It makes us, listen, it makes us difficult. If we put our hope in temporal things, if we put our hopes in other things, if we put our hope in anything other than God, then it makes it difficult for us to have joy. It makes it difficult for us to carry on. Now, Job hit the bottom in Job chapter seven. Now, if you're life journaling with us, that's just a way that we systematically read through scripture in a year as a church, then you know that this last week we read through Job chapter seven. And that's when Job, I mean, like for him, the bottom fell out. That's when nothing made sense in the situations that he's walking through. Just so you can get a context, I'm going to read many of those verses just real quickly. Uh, they're going to come up also on the screen. Uh, Job said this. He said, well, when I lie down, I say, when shall I rise? But the night is long, and I'm full of tossing till dawn. In other words, In other words, he could not sleep. I mean, he did not have peace of mind, he couldn't sleep. Watch this, verse 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and come to their end without hope. Now, a weaver's shuttle is like this, this wooden object that goes back and forth on a loom, and it, it creates a product. I mean, when it's done, yes, it goes fast, but it creates something. You have something to show for it. You know what Job is saying? Job is saying life is like a weaver's shuttle. It goes fast, except I don't have, it. it's, it's worthless, it's meaningless, He doesn't see any purpose in what he's going through. He doesn't see any purpose in this situation. And then he goes on, verse 11. He says, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And so now the bottom is dropped out. Nothing makes sense. And you know what he's saying? I'm going to go on social media. I'm going to go on Facebook. I'm going to go on Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. And it's just going to be bitterness. It's going to be bitterness of my soul. And I'm not going to restrain my thoughts. I'm not going to restrain what I think. I'm just going to let it fly. That's when you and I know that, you know what? We've been driven by fear. Listen, fear will dispel hope in your life. And then watch this. He, he's, verse 13. When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. You know what he's saying? I'm just going gonna, gonna to binge watch Hulu. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to get on the Hallmark Channel. I'm going to get on Netflix. I'm going to get on Hulu. I'm going to get on whatever. And I'm going to binge watch that. I'm going to escape from life. And that will make everything better. And we know it doesn't. And so, so watch this. He goes on and he says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are like our are breath. In other words, he said, I'm just going to isolate I'm going to isolate from everybody. It's just, it's just me, and I'm just going to isolate. That's how I'm going to handle it. And then all of a sudden, something happens in Job chapter 42. I've read this verse before. We're going to read these verses again because this is when hope shows up for Job, and there's some things we're going to learn from this, and we're going to see it in a different way. Watch this, Job chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, but that no purpose of yours can be thwarted, which is this, that hides counsel without knowledge. Therefore, I have uttered. So he has this moment. I've uttered some things that I did not understand. And the things that were too wonderful for me, which I did not know. In other words, I had limited knowledge. I had limited information. Here and I will speak. I will question you. You make it known to me. I have heard of you. So this is when hope shows up. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I see you differently, Lord." Therefore, I will despise myself, repent, and dust and ashes. And so all of a sudden, Job goes through suffering, and he sees God differently. I wonder sometimes is the reason that Christians don't really mature in Christ, and the reason that Christians don't grow is because we have stripped out sacrifice and service out of the Christian life. We've even stripped out suffering. We'll do anything to get away from suffering. We'll do anything to get away from difficulty. But when you look at Scripture, you realize that that's when God does some of his greatest work so when we serve and we sacrifice, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. And we go through a time of suffering. See Simon Peter. Simon Peter goes through this thing and he's in the New Testament. There's a reason I want to use him as well. So we got an Old Testament way and a New Testament way. And Simon Peter, he knows a thing or two about suffering. In verse 6, 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says, In this rejoice... And now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Listen, there's so much in this verse to unpack. I literally could preach a series in the first three or four verses of 1 Peter. He makes this phrase. He said, you have been grieved in in the Greek. It has a lot of deeper meaning than how we use it in the English language. Like sometimes we throw grieve around and it's really just kind of an inconvenience. Like... In the football game, when Dak went down for a career-ending injury, I was grieved. When they don't get my order right, I am grieved. When traffic backs up on I-25, I am grieved. But this isn't how the New Testament used that word at all. In fact, it is the New Testament, the way they use this word when I am grieved, it meant physical pain and emotional pain. It meant great difficulty. This is the same word that was used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That he had emotional and physical pain that he was like, he was like overwhelmed. I mean, I mean, this word is like this overwhelming feeling. It's this weight that you and I, I mean, you just can't get out from under the weight. You cannot shake it off. You cannot make sense out of it. You cannot figure out its purpose. And for Simon Peter and for Job, they were both, listen, they were both confused about God's purpose and God's plan and what they're walking through. And maybe. Maybe we just need to stop right here. And maybe, you know what, maybe you would say. Charlie, I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. I got this overwhelming weight over me right now. It's constantly there. It's like I can't shake it off. It's like I can't get rid of it. It doesn't seem like it has a purpose. It doesn't seem like it has a meaning. Fact is, it doesn't make any sense to me. For you, it could be a pandemic. It could be COVID. It could be, but it could be your job. It could be your health. It could be your marriage. It could be being single and some challenges with that. It could be your finances. It could be your health, your spouse's health. It could be a sin habit that's in your life. It it could be a situation that you're walking through. This this picture, word, picture, this thing grieved is like this thing that you can't get out from under. It's emotional and physical pain. And then in that, Simon Peter says, "In this, you rejoice." The way the Greek uses this word, listen, we're going to get technical tonight. I'm I'm going to preach theology tonight. So as my mother would say, you better put your thinking caps on. That's what we would say in Texas. The Greek definition, see, in this you will rejoice, is is a bunch of, a few words, I haven't counted them, a few words in English, but it's only one word in English. And so the definition is going to come up. This is from a Greek um, dictionary, uh, the Loneida, and so here's, here, here's what it says. It literally says this, to experience a state of great joy and gladness, often involving verbal expression and ex- appropriate body movement, to be extremely joyful or to be overjoyed, to d- rejoice greatly. When I first read that, that just seems wrong. This last week, I talked to a couple on the phone, and they've been in our church for a long time, and they're going through a health challenge. It's a big deal. And I was on the phone with them, both of them. And I was talking to them. It would just seem wrong to tell them. Well, you, should, you should have overwhelming joy. I mean, the definition of this is, with body language. In other words, that means like you're high-fiving each other. You're, you're jumping up and down with joy. I mean, it just seems wrong to tell someone that when you're going through suffering, you should have joy. But now all of a sudden Simon Peter says that. Either Simon Peter is out of his mind and he's crazy, or there's something else worthy going through. Three things for you tonight. I always have three things for you. And so uh, three things for you tonight. If you're going to be like Job, if you're going to be like Simon Peter, when hope shows up, how do you know when hope shows up? Okay? First thing is this. Seek God in his purpose. See God and his purpose. See, there's there's a couple of common things that ran through Job and Simon Peter's life. Is all of a sudden, (coughs) they saw the purpose of God. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, in our language, you know what Job said? God, you're enough. God, I've come to the place to realize that, you know what? God, you're You're enough. Job came to the place to where it wasn't God plus something else. God is not you plus my resources, it's not you, plus my job, it's not you plus my relationships, it's not you plus my circumstances. Job comes to this place in the midst of suffering. Suffering is where we grow. He says, God, I, I've realized you're, man, I realized you're enough. And no plan of yours, no purpose of yours can be kept from happening. God, even in suffering, God, you are like changing, transforming my life. Verse 3, he goes on. Blessed, I'm sorry, Simon Peter says in 1 Peter 1.3, Simon Peter says is how he says it. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, according to his grace mercy. He has caused us to, to, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And now Simon Peter talks about this, not a dead hope, but he talks about a living hope. And the living hope is is Jesus Christ. And he's not still in the grave. He's a living hope. He's alive. He's been resurrected. If Jesus Christ was still in the grave, then we would have no hope. But because Jesus Christ is not in the grave, it changes everything. It changes everything about the way we face trials. We face difficulties in life. We face challenges. See, Simon Peter gets this. Simon Peter had failed many times, right? We've walked through scriptures together. We know where he's failed. Remember Simon Peter told Jesus, Jesus, I'll go to the cross with you if I have to. I won't deny you. Jesus like, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, right? And what what does Simon Peter do? He goes out and he denies him. When he denies him the third time, the rooster crows, Simon Peter realizes, and he was in the courtyard at Caiaphas' house. I've been there. And all of a sudden, Simon Peter turns, he sees the eyes of Jesus, and the scripture says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Wept bitterly is an ugly cry. I don't know if you've ever ugly cried before. I've ugly cried before in in some difficult things in my life. I mean, it's it's an ugly cry. It's not like a TV or a movie cry where someone cries on TV and just one tear comes down, always the right eye. Karen's figured that out, just always the right eye, one tear. We don't know why that is. That's just the way it happens. Look at this, verse 22, Luke 22, 61 and 62. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Simon takes off, he sinned, he blew it, he let Jesus down, he knows it, Jesus knows it. Jesus is crucified, resurrected, out of the grave, everybody's celebrating, and Simon Peter's like, not me. And he goes back to doing what he knew only to do, he goes to the Sea of Galilee, he starts fishing, right? Scripture says he catches nothing, you know why? I believe he caught nothing, because nothing was on the hook. If you're a fisherman, you know this. There's sometimes you go out and you do not want to catch a thing. You just need to process. You just need some time. I think that was Simon Peter. The sun came up on the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. It's beautiful. It's flat. I mean, it's just, and there's Jesus on the, on the shore, and Simon Peter takes off his coat and jumps in the water, swims to him, and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is waiting for him. Simon Peter's overwhelmed that Jesus is waiting for him, and forgives him after he blew it so bad. and Simon Peter learned that if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus is willing to forgive you because he rose again on the third day. That's a living hope. Jesus Christ is alive. Job learned that God is enough. You know what Simon Peter learned? Jesus is enough doesn't matter what I walk through, Jesus. That's something that suffering teaches you. That when he strips everything away from you that you held on to and you felt that was your anchor of hope or that was the thing, it was Jesus plus something else, then you realize, when you realize this, and I'm telling you, when you realize Jesus is enough, that's when hope shows up. There's a big difference between Jesus is enough and Jesus plus. And there was a time, just real quickly, because I had to process through this as a pastor. There was a time for me that my hope was in Jesus plus, even in ministry. Jesus plus a growing church. Jesus plus everybody liking me. Jesus plus some of these other things, and unfortunately, it almost destroyed me in ministry, and I had to, like, ride this roller coaster depending on where the church was at or what people thought of me, and unfortunately, Karen had to ride the roller coaster with me about this issue of Jesus Plus. And then we go into COVID, right? And it doesn't matter what you do. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be happy with you. Whether how you view masks or how you view opening the church or closing the church. And people run around, where's your faith and why do you look at it like this? Why do you think, ho-? and all of those other things. There's a point that you have to come to and say, you know what? Jesus is enough. It is not Jesus plus anything else. The second thing is this, that you not only see God in his purpose, uh, but you see God in his, in, in his purpose. Provisions, that you see God in his provisions. Simon, Peter, and Job both saw this, both got this. Understand that God is the one who provides and God is the one who blesses. And all good gifts come from him is what James says. Job 42.10 says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job was aware that God is the one that blessed him. And as a result of that, he gave back to the Lord. He understood it's about service, it's about sacrifice, it's about giving. And he thanked him. Simon Peter would put it this way in, in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, this is huge, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Simon Peter realized when hope showed up that he had this living hope, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, that is kept in heaven for you. He is encouraging us and he's encouraging his readers to remember that guess what, on the other side of the trial is something better waiting for you. We can endure a lot of things if we know something on the other side of the trial is a reward or better for us, right? A lot of people have gotten degrees and spent a long time um, in college and in school and studying and tests. And they endured. Why? Because they knew something was waiting for them on this other side. People have learned careers and, and professions. Why? Because they know that something is better. Athletes have been in the weight room because they know, guess what, something is better on the other side. There's a goal. And this is what jo- Simon Peter is trying to say. There is a glory coming. There's an inheritance coming, and it has your name on it. And it, and it will overwhelm you. Has anybody ever done something so nice for you it overwhelmed you? You didn't even know how to say thank you. A thank you note wouldn't even cut it. Saying thank you verbally, I mean, it just over. This is what Simon Peter's talking about. The third and the last thing is this: is we see his person. You see God in his purpose. You see God in his provisions. But more importantly, you see God in his person. Look at this when Job confesses this, Job 42.5. I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Something about suffering. God, I've studied your word. I've been in Sunday school. I've been in life group. But you know what? I realized you're enough. I just realized you're enough. I realize who you are. <coughs> I realize your provisions, your promises. Verse 3 in 1 Peter, again it said, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be a born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. He describes this inheritance as imperishable and... We just have to understand what this inheritance is. What is imperishable? A lot of people are going to tell you just real quick, oh, that imperishable thing, that's like heaven, that's like the rewards for you, that's streets of gold, that's beauty, that's all that other stuff. That's not what he's talking about. Man, just stay with me. I, 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 I just need you to understand this theologically. Jesus wasn't the only person In the New Testament, that died and rose again. That died and came back to life. Right? There's example after example all through the scriptures. The widow's son, uh, the widow's son, Nan, I think it was his name. Jarius' daughter died, came back to life. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus died, walks out of the tomb with the grave clothes. Tabitha, remember, she died. Jarius' daughter, uh, she died. And the fact is, there's one reference in the New Testament that various saints died and came back to life. So when you, when you look at the Bible, you realize that there are other people. So, but that's not what makes Jesus different. When you look at the Bible, you realize that other people had died and come back. In fact is, one of my favorite was this guy by the name of Eutychus. Uh, Eutychus was this guy, Paul was preaching a service, and it was like a night service. And he's preaching at night, and Paul goes past midnight. And Eutychus is like on the third story window, and he like falls out, and he falls to his death, and he dies. You'd have to cuss too, if that had happened to you. <laughs> I worked hard on that one. <laughs> at least I know you're listening. Here, here's the story. <laughs> here's the story. I didn't run that by Karen at all. <laughs> Acts 20, verse 7 through 14. And on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room. Where we were gathered. That's so interesting to me that the author wanted you to know that, guess what? There are a lot of lamps in the, in the upper room. As elders, we've had that discussion before, probably only one time. This is just like for free, and then we'll move on. When we went into covid and we went into quarantine, we realized the only way we were going to be able to hold church services online, right? And all we had at that point, we had a camera in the back that was given to us by Compassion International. It's like a camera in the 90s. Our lights were like 15 years old. Uh, They'd caught on fire twice. Uh, One time they caught on fire and smoke started filling the room. Some people thought it was the Holy Spirit and we should have run with that, but it wasn't. We couldn't even, I mean, it was just totally inefficient. And so we went into quarantine and said, you know what? We're going to have to do something because the video quality was horrible. It was blurry. You couldn't see. It was just horrible. It was not engaging. And so we put in lights. We put in cameras. And so when you see these lights, you really should think about missionaries because even right now, do you realize there are more people watching online than in person? These are like missionaries. These are more for online than for us. And all of a sudden, this writer makes that statement. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul still talked longer. In other words, he ignored the preaching clock. He just continued on. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. He died. The writer of this, Dr. Luke. He's a medical doctor. He said he's dead. But Paul went down bent over (laughs) and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread, he didn't even break his sermon. And he conversed with, with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were, and were not a little comforted. I guess so. Listen, theologically, just so we're tracking. There is a difference of all these people in the New Testament that died and came back to life than Jesus. All these other people in the New Testament that died and came back to life, they grew old and they died. Lazarus grew old and he died. Jairus' daughter grew old and she died. Uh, Tabitha grew up to be a young woman, an elderly woman, she died. The difference, what makes Jesus special is this, that Jesus died on the cross and he never died again. He lived forever. This is what Paul is saying. This is what Simon Peter is saying that what makes Jesus special because we have this living hope is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he never died again. And as a result of that, we have a living hope. As a result of that, Jesus is referred to as the first fruit of the resurrection. In other words, he's, he's alive. Verse 17 in, in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only... We're all of people most to be pitied. In other words, what, you know what Paul's saying? If you put your hope in this life, if you put your la hope in something eternal, then you should be pitied. But because Jesus Christ is raised again, Jesus Christ li- lives, we have a living hope, and as a result of that, we place our hope in him. This is such a powerful statement that he made. In ver- verse 20 in 1 Corinthians 15 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is not saying he's the first person that died and came back to life. He is saying he is the first person, the only person that that died and rose from the grave and lives forever. He's saying he's imperishable. He has defeated death. And Simon Peter is saying this is your hope and because of that Jesus is enough. Jesus died and rose from the grave. Perfectly healthy, perfectly whole, fully alive, imperishable. And he's saying, just like Jesus, there is coming a day when you and I will die. Absent from the body is to be with the Lord. And in that moment, you will rise, and guess what? You too will be imperishable. Now you know what imperishable talks about. Imperishable is talking about us. Perfectly whole, perfectly healthy, perfectly alive. And we will live forever imperishable. And that is good news because there is coming a day when there is no more pain, there's no more hurt, there's no more death, there's no more aches and pains, there's no more wrinkles, no more weight gain. All of that is like gone. And we're going to be imperishable with Jesus. Verse 4, he goes on and says to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Listen, I met Jesus in 1981. The greatest decision that I ever made in my life, the second greatest decision that I ever made, is 1983, Karen and I were married. And since that time, I've lived through doubt, countless sins, disappointments in myself, others, despair, frustration. We liquidated everything. We moved to Pueblo, Colorado because we believe that the gospel changes lives that only the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives. And listen, I have watched, I've watched countless numbers of people baptized here and their lives are radically changed. And, and as a family, we, we've walked through some dark moments. And I am telling you, I have never been more convinced in my life than this one statement, Jesus is enough. Jesus is the hope of the world. And when our world unravels, what Colossians tells us, it is Jesus that holds the world together. And our hope is not Jesus plus. Our hope is not Jesus plus our circumstances, Jesus plus our job, Jesus plus our bake accounts, Jesus plus a political party or political person or political platform, Jesus plus some religious things that we do that we try to work our way to heaven. We have a living hope. and His name is Jesus Christ, and Jesus is enough. And I am concerned because I think some Christians have forgotten that. And they try to find their hope in Jesus plus, like Jesus needs our help. Man, my job, listen, my job as a pastor is not to invite you into a political kingdom that will be shaken, that will not stand forever, my job as your pastor is to invite you into the kingdom of God that will never be shaken. And he is our living hope. And because of that, we can trust him. And Simon Peter is writing to this group of people saying, not only will your body raise again imperishable, but your mind, your heart, your soul is going to be undefiled. When he talks about undefiled, that means, it means your, your death and death. And, and that, is, that is the first time in your life that you will be completely sinless. Yes, that your salvation. Your sins are forgiven. But if you're like me, you're made of flesh and you still fall and you still sin. And we still need forgiveness. But, but once, one day we're going to die and we're going to stand before the Lord and what he says, you're going to be undefiled. You'll be completely whole, completely forgiven. See, what Paul is saying is that what should give Christians hope is when you're in Christ is that you can never, you can never lose your salvation. Verse 4, Simon Peter says, four, chapter 1, verse 4, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Simon Peter tells us that our hope is a living hope and not only an inheritance, but it's being kept for us. And where is it being kept? It's being kept in heaven for us. (coughs) What he's saying is Jesus is enough and you're not keeping your salvation. I'm not keeping my salvation. Jesus is keeping our salvation to make things even better. The scripture says that he's guarding it for you in heaven. Your salvation is being guarded by God kept in heaven for you then how in the world can you ever lose it if he's the one that's holding on to it not you you know why this is important? because of living hope the world can come away and take your home and take your uh, possessions Job learned that Simon Peter learned that Take away your freedom, take away your rights, take away your dignity. But Simon Peter is saying, you know what? You know what they can never take away? They can never take away your living hope. They can never take away your salvation that is being kept in heaven for you. And it's impossible because it's being guarded by Him. Now, this verse makes sense. 1 Peter 1 6. In this, in this you rejoice. Because you have a living hope. Your salvation is being kept for you. It's being guarded for you in in heaven. Now for a little while, even if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So we have a choice. We have a choice how we walk through suffering, how we walk through trials. We either walk through it with a living hope, understand that Jesus is enough, where we understand what's waiting for us, or we can walk through it with fear and uncertainty and bitterness and anger and all of those other things. Simon Peter would tell you that he loves you more than you can ever imagine. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? When I prepared this message, I mean, I knew there's a lot of theology, I knew there's a lot of scripture. But I know it's his word that's changing us. His word that changes us because the scripture says man does not live by bread alone. But by the very words of Jesus Christ. His word encourages, his word nourishes. Change happens when people receive the word of God. Tonight you may feel like this message was for you. And you're currently, you're overwhelmed with a circumstance, you're overwhelmed with a problem. You're overwhelmed with a situation. And you may have never been overwhelmed by Jesus Christ. The only person who died and on the third day rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father. Lived a sinless life, lived a perfect life. He paid for our sins on the cross. And because of that, we're totally and completely forgiven. But maybe tonight, maybe you just feel overwhelmed. And maybe you feel like, I I got this thing on me and I can't get rid of it. And I I just need prayer. And I mean, I know in this season, we're not doing prayer response. But maybe tonight you would say, Pastor Charlie, I just just need you to pray for me. And so in just a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And if you would just acknowledge that Charlie, I I need prayer. Would you just lift your hand right now and say, you know what? I I just need prayer. Just in this place. This is safe. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Just lift your hand. Hands are going up. If you need prayer, say, I I admit, I'm overwhelmed. I got this thing on me. I I just need to be reminded that Jesus is enough. I just need to be reminded that I have this living hope. This salvation is being guarded and kept in heaven for me? Would you just let this sink in to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who are walking through a trial that would say, I'm overwhelmed and it may not be overwhelmed by joy. May not be able to say at this moment that Jesus is enough because of the pain, because of the trial. Lord, would you minister to them right now? Would you let them know that there's an inheritance waiting for them? Would you let them know that they can trust your purpose? They can trust in your provisions. Would they see you? Just as Job said, just as Simon Peter said. For we ask these sayings in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me please? And as you stand and as we close. Let me just encourage you, if you made a decision of any kind, if you, if you need prayer, if you're watching online, there's a live prayer button. Uh, one of our pastors and one of our prayer partners will meet you in a virtual prayer room. They would love to communicate with you. They'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're in person and you'd like to talk with a pastor. There's several ways you can do that. You can go out into the welcome area. There's cards and pens that are sanitized. And <coughs> excuse me, You can fill out a card and turn it in the box. There's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. If you're a high-tech person, you can, you can click on that. You can fill out a Connect card. If tonight, if you've accepted Christ or you'd like to follow him in Believer's Baptism, would would like to know about that as well. You can fill out a Connect card online. You can fill out one here as well. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed.